Our Friday panel this week joining us live in studio to discuss uh, the relevant issues um, that you've raised uh, during the weekend, indeed some of our national issues as well. Peter Tiernan from County Leitrim, Peter, former head of FOSS in Sligo, also former chairman of Sligo Tidy Towns. You, it is, you are still former, are you current? Yeah, former, yeah. And, and Blaine Gaffney, um, well-known local publican and Sligo Fine Gael representative. Is that a, that's still your description, Blaine, is it, to a... To a degree. Yeah. Fine Gael member, and let's put it that way. Yeah. We'll find out more about that in a moment. Welcome to you both, and, and thanks for joining us. Um, the, the, the cash, we we'll start maybe with the, uh, which is exercising so many people's minds in our show this morning, the, the cashless ticket decision by the GAA. Peter, have you any views on that, or is it, is it, uh, is it a disadvantage to, to elderly people, do you think, this decision or not? Well, just the GAA, or... Generally. Well, just in general, um, well, in ge- just the, yeah, kind of the move to a cashless society, is it in, in something we just have to accept and get on with, do you think? Yeah, in general it is a disadvantage to older people because they're not uh, uh, literate in technology and uh, uh, they, they wouldn't be used to uh, uh, tapping and all that and sometimes it doesn't, even when I tap, it doesn't work and you have to put it in and all yeah. that sort of thing. It's not as it's not as cashless as you think, you know? Yeah. But uh, c- certainly... Uh, it's it's handy and it's the way things are going and I suppose people are going to have to get used to it but I can see a problem for people who are used to dealing in cash and taking it you know farmers should be at a fair even selling cattle and there certainly would be no cash machines around like when I was at fairs yeah. and helping out and um uh, they take the money and big money, wads of money out of the back pocket and that's the way that they dealt it, you know, and you get back a luck penny. There's an awful lot of things like that that you can't do with cashless, you know. You can't yeah. give back a, a luck penny or you can't leave a, a couple of euro on the desk for the for the shop uh, attendant and things like that. So, um, it, it's unfortunately, it's it's the way we're going to go. Yeah. And uh, the, I suppose the, the the cohort of people coming along will gradually get used to it and go in that direction. It's also a much a much safer way, of course, of dealing with uh, with yeah. uh, with money because uh, uh, I mean these robberies and uh, holdups in shops and things like that uh, wouldn't happen now in most shops because there's not much cash to be had. So there's advantages and disadvantages, but the the people who are disadvantaged most are the more vulnerable older people who are not used to that, you know, and yeah. use money. So they're going to have to have money as well. It's inevitable, though. It's, this is happening whether yeah. we like it or not. The other yeah. thing about yeah. about it is that uh, I mean, I I use the tap and go thing, but if uh, if if I want to, if somebody is looking for. If they're doing a collection for a charity or yeah. something like that, I don't have I don't have any money uh, in my pocket. Yeah. And uh, it has happened uh, to me on numerous have... numerous occasions, and and that's why I always like to have yeah. some cash in, in the wallet. For... That's right. And and now I'm starting to carry a little bit because the, the every everybody, including collectors, they're going to have to go in that direction. And churches and people like yeah. that, and many most churches in Dublin are now are going uh, where you tap or else you put in your card and you put in your pin and your amount yourself and I believe I have a daughter in Dublin uh, and she goes to two different churches depending on times of mass and uh, they're both gone electronic and their their takings on, on, on a Sunday has gone up dramatically 
because people uh, think it's very handy. In fact, that's yeah. one of the problems about cashless is it's too easy to spend. It's very, yeah. very painless. It is. And I'll come to that with the publican in a moment. Wasn't it Ian Paisley who used to have the silent collection of the churches years ago? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's he used true. to say that not to put coins in the in the collection box because no, it, it was just, disturbing just the, the congregation. It was paper money only. Yeah. Right, okay, Blaine, what, I mean, I'd be interested to get your point of view on this. Do, cash uh, or, or, or credit card in the pub business, Where where is it 50-50 or is it... So, so pre-COVID, um, yeah, it was largely sixty percent yeah. cash, forty percent cards. Was it six percent cash before 60, COVID? Yeah. yeah. Um, now it's it's eighty-five percent card. Really? We probably see a massive decline in 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 the amount of cash coming in. Um, and I suppose from a, from a financial administration point of view, and looking at it from the the decision of the GA that way, it probably makes more sense because you know. Handling cash, collecting cash, depositing cash, changing cash—it's uh, all very expensive. Um, so this is a, obviously a way that the, the GA can can save on the financial administration. Um, but I think that there also needs to be some cop on and yeah. and a realization within GA headquarters that look, we we have to have a, a community point of view on this. We have to look after the elderly people in our society and people who want to pay with cash. It's legal tender. Um, should remain so. I myself, I, I moved to Revolut uh, when Ulster Bank decided to close. Yeah. Um, I'm not looking back. But that being said, you know, the thoughts of not having cash or having access to cash is, it's a little bit frightening. Um, I just think it was very cold the way the way the decision was made. I, I was listening to your show earlier on, and I know some people were saying about you know other stadiums have done it. That's fine. You know, the GAA has a special place in, in Irish uh, society yeah. and everybody has to feel included the thoughts of a, an elderly gentleman or, or an elderly woman being turned away for not having uh, an ability to pay with a card I think it's um, it's just not very good PR, they need to sort that out but also um, I suppose you know there is the security element uh, that you mentioned and you know businesses not having cash on premises is one thing but also more vulnerable people um, of all uh, age cohorts uh, can fall victim to 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 crimes with with cards. So yeah. there, there's that element to it as well. You know, uh, from a business point of view, is it is it is it better the way it is now that we're moving towards a cashless society, or does it make any difference to you? Uh, no, I'll tell you, it's 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 actually got its got its headaches as well because. Okay, we well need more card machines to, to trans, uh, transfer the money. Yeah. So that comes with a 18 or 20 euros uh, per month uh, charge. The charges on the card per transaction is absolutely scandalous. Um, just before uh, t- the end of 2022, we changed over suppliers because it was costing nearly 20 cents for every uh, thing that went through, for every card that went through by the time it was paid. Now, when you add all that up, we were paying between 700 and 800 euros a month just for using the card services. And you say to yourself, right, how does that make sense? Yeah. So it was actually ended up being more expensive. Okay, handier, but more expensive than... Yeah, I didn't realise that, that, that fee was mm. as much as that. No, we got, in, in fairness, we we uh, negotiated with other companies and got it down uh, by about 45 or 50%. But I mean, you know, it was quite a high amount of money to be paying for just using uh, a tap, tap, serv- tap service. Yeah. This person says, lots of people still use cash. How do you give a few euros to a child for birthdays and other occasions? Collections on the street are also losing out, as, as Peter mentioned as well. And someone else says, this is still happening to silent collection. Our parish priest always announced from the altar every Sunday we'll have a silent collection. So it wasn't just Mr Paisley. Right, OK. <coughs> Bertie Hearn is back in the Fianna Fáil party and he is quick to indicate that he's just an ordinary paid-up member of the party. I think it's 10 years since he, he uh, resigned 
uh, as a member. What, what do you make of that, Peter, and Bertie Hearn and his legacy? And uh, Well, I think his legacy is quite good. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody would deny him that. I think what... Uh, what his problem is, I suppose, the Mahan Tribunal, and uh, well, the findings of that were were not uh, were not damning. Uh, uh, the, the, he wasn't found to have indulged in corrupt practices or yeah. uh, something like that. He did, he did. He, it was found. The findings were that he had a uh, hundred and sixty-five thousand euro, which uh, he couldn't account for, and it wasn't in any bank account. Yeah. Uh, he has a wealth of uh, of uh, knowledge. Uh, three times uh, Taoiseach. He certainly, when he comes on radio, there years for a number of years. Some people are saying he's only coming. He was only coming on now because he was he saw this and pitching for the park and all of that. But he, he I always listened to him when he came on to talk about Brexit or yep. the Northern Ireland problems or the DUP protocol problem. So he 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 always he was always worth listening to you know so I think like he will be useful and uh, the party hierarchy will consult them on different things I I don't, I don't know what his future plans are or what he thinks himself. He's vague about I that. I don't think anybody knows at this stage. No. Uh, uh, but he, he was I keeping his cards knew. close to his chest last night when he was asked about it. Yeah. He was saying the presidential election's a long way off. It's not really, it's next year. It, no, but it's, 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 it's 2025, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or oh, sorry, but two years' time. It's not a long yeah. way off, no. But he knows, yeah. what he's going to, he knows what he's going to do, but he's not letting us know at the moment. Do you think so? <laughs> but one of the things just that, that, that isn't normally mentioned, but uh, or he couldn't mention at the tribunal is that at that at that time uh, from 1993 onwards he was going through uh, a legal separation as as everybody knows everybody knows that yeah. and uh, when you're doing that I a uh, 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 work friend of mine went through one of those and he it was a very difficult time for him uh, managing his finances and his, his assets and uh, the, his wife's assets and things like that. Now that may be, may be a reason that uh, can't be made public by him yeah. but it could be. Right, okay. He's, uh, not, he's not of your... This, this is where I would uh, respectfully disagree. I, I don't believe his legacy is going to be a good one, Peter. Um, Do you not? Um, I mean, okay, and, I, I, and I separate out uh, the, the the really good work we have peace on on this island, yeah, um, because of the, the hard work of Bertie Hearn and others to to resolve, you know, the the, the troubles in the north and. Um, you know, nobody will ever take that away from him. I think he's a strong voice in terms of the Brexit protocol issues that we have now. I think he's somebody that can be leaned in on to help bring people together to to, to solve the the growing tensions in Northern Ireland. And, and I'll never take that away from him or or, the, or indeed the Fianna Fáil party. I think his legacy is is that of um, you know a government that that crashed the economy in two thousand and eight, nine, ten, uh, that has left us with a housing crisis that we're still trying to grapple with today. Um, you know, we look at uh, whilst you mentioned the the flood slash man tribunal yeah. um, they didn't find him corrupt and, and, and I, I agree with that but there were many other members of, of the uh, Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party that were or former members of the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party that were involved um, in, in receiving corrupt payments from uh, developers for, for zoning you know that that is part of that that era uh, that people I don't think will ever uh, forget or forgive and um, 
and I, I just want to come back to come back to legacy that uh, you know potential debate coming back into our, into our into our public discourse now I don't think it's helpful um, I, I really don't see where the gain is for Fianna Fáil in in, in this move, I, I, I'm not too sure on, on if Michael Martin is openly happy or not. I'm, I'm sure he's saying he is, but yeah. you know, he expelled he him from the party. Much, yeah, he hasn't said much so no, far. I, and, and, you know, he's under pressure too. But I, I have watched um, a number of, I suppose, friends in Fianna Fáil and, and you know, f- colleagues up and down the country. And, and the Arabs, you know, in, 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 in large large terms, they are very, very happy with, with seeing the, their former Taoiseach returning. Mm. But just from, I suppose, my side of the house as, as being a, a younger member of, um, of, of a political uh, circle, I just don't think, um, I just don't think it's, it's good for, for Fianna Fáil. But look, yeah. I'm, I'm only looking in from the outside. Yeah, all right, okay. And, and a potential presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I mean, you're, you're you not. know, yeah, they're starting to line up now, I suppose. Yeah. We have, we'll have potentially Bertie Hearn. We, we might have Jerry Adams. You know, we yeah, might but have even Ray McGuinness. politics um, and political parties aside, would he have a chance in a presidential yeah, election? Yeah, I absolutely think he would because um, in fairness to him on, on his... Uh, Attempts to, to, I suppose, kind of come back into the public light. Um, there was an RT piece done, and uh, you know, was asking people in his area of Drumcondra and the likes, uh, you know, what's your your opinions on Bertie? And they genuinely, genuinely are happy with the work he'd done for them. You yeah. know, he he done great things. But I, I remember one comment uh, from uh, a member of his, uh, his constituent who said, uh, "You know, Bertie, uh, he was honest in his dishonesty." And I kind of just thought that summed it up, that people would... He has a charm about him, he's a likeable way about him, and uh, I've no doubt that if he did put his name on the paper, he would he would do very, very well. Yeah, this person says, rogues are always admired in Ireland. Not that we're suggesting Bertie Hearn is a rogue in any shape or form, but it more or less... Uh, lovable rogues, isn't it? goes with what you just said. Peter? Well, I just, in reaction to Blaine there, I mean, he said his political party and affiliations, he says, are well known, which is fine. I'm fortunate in that I don't have any political affiliations. I decide on the day, on the time, I listen to everybody and then I vote. It could be any party. But so when I'm talking about Bertie Hearn is purely in that in that area. Uh, but I mean, when you talk about a legacy from Bertie Hearn, you you can't deny that he has left a legacy from the Good Friday Agreement. No, I don't. I mean, that was negotiated. He was he was a chief architect of the Good Friday Agreement, mm. and that that was a, 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 a very important moment in the life of Northern Ireland because that's the day mm-hmm. the killing stopped mm-hmm. when the Good Friday Agreement was signed, and we didn't have. The, the same uh, 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 turmoil since mm. and uh, uh, we have to give him credit for that mm-hmm. and now I mean as far as the economy is concerned and you know the ups and downs of that over over three terms uh, I mean I, I wouldn't disagree with what you said Blaine in that area mm. but I think he's left a legacy that was recognised nationally and internationally. I mean, President Clinton was here twice. I was lucky enough to meet him on one of the occasions when he was in the... the Royal College of Surgeons. He was here twice around that time. He had George Mitchell over here as an emissary here. And uh, uh, between them and Bertie, because whatever you may say about him, he, he whether he's a rogue or not, he's certainly likeable. Mm. And he's very charming. And like he would, 
he, he was a union negotiator mm-hmm. and they're always pretty good at trying to get people to persuade them in the right mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. So I think he has very uh, good networking and personal skills that could be used uh, for for the good of mm-hmm. the good well, of you, the country. You've got re- to remember too that in 2007, as this was breaking, he won a general election. So yeah. people trusted him enough to, uh, and, and trusted the party to even yeah. when the scandal was going on. When, to, when, to, he, to wasn't, when to, he wasn't uh, predicted to win yeah, it, as we remember. Exactly. So, I mean, that, that mm-hmm. tell you, people do like him. And, and, and I just I suppose that's my view on, on the difficulties of having grown up in a in a post-recession Ireland. And I always will, will attribute some of the, the blame to the, the failure in policy from Fianna Fáil. OK. I, I agree with uh, Blaine Gaffney and Bertie's legacy. It's disastrous, particularly if you're from a younger generation. Inadequate social infrastructure, lack of forward thinking and planning with regard to the societal systems that we rely on as citizens. And during his tenure and beyond, a culture of cronyism was manifestly rampant. And this person says, I agree with young Gaffney. So there you are, that's uh, a compliment straight away. Do you agree with young Gaffney? Others in Fianna Fáil were found to be corrupt, but you're speaking about Bertie, and he was found not to be uh, corrupt. I'm delighted young Gaffney, 33 Um, There you go. Uh, (laughs) You you, you won't get too many compliments like that uh, this morning. That's that's rare. The the, the refugee situation, uh, which you've been covering, and indeed I was watching primetime last night, and there was footage of the... um, well, we'd guessed on this morning said there weren't really scuffles. There were minor altercations mm. between opposing groups at, a, at an event or events outside the GPO in Sligo uh, on Wednesday night. But what are you making of all this, Peter, as a refugee well, situation, uh, local concerns and lack of planning as they see it? Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely there, there is a lack of planning and a lack of, uh, I suppose, foresight in, in dealing with the issues. But uh, I think we can... Divide them by two. In other words, we look after we 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 have the Ukrainian people fle- fleeing war in their country, and then we have the asylum seekers coming in from uh, the Middle East and Africa, g- generally speaking. Yeah, uh, and there are two different categories of people, and. Uh, I suppose the fact that we have so many Ukrainian people here now, including around Sligo or here ourselves, it's 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 uh, it's making the situation worse with regard to uh, helping other refugees. But um, th- so I would be all in favour of taking in as many uh, Ukrainian ref- uh, refugees or. Uh, they're not refugees, are they? They're, yeah. they're whatever. Yeah, uh, they are, yeah. They're coming here anyway. Yeah. And there are a number of them beside us in Strand Hill down there near the shore. And I've I've spoken to one or two. Uh, some of them have English, some haven't. And they're very nice people. They're decent people. And they're educated people by and large. And if you just look at them as they walk by, you wouldn't know whether they were Irish or Ukraine. And... Yeah. Uh, uh, so they could, if they were here for good, but of course they want to go home. Uh, they could certainly add to our, uh, you know, job situation here. The other type are are are, are um, uh, people who are f- fleeing the country. They're being in in. I'm talking now about the ones that that shouldn't be here, and they're they're being trafficked in here by criminals. Yeah. They're paying big money to come in. They're deliberately sent up to the, the 
the checkout without any passport or any identification whatsoever. Now that should not be happening. Though if 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 if, if when I come back from Spain or somewhere like that, uh, I always have to produce a. I always up to this had to produce a passport on the way in. I don't know what would happen if I didn't have one, but uh, if you don't have documentation coming in and nobody knows what country you're from, who you are. Well, it, most of them can't speak English. They've, they've paid big money to get here and they expect when they get here to be just looked after somehow. Now, those are economic migrants and they're looking for asylum. They're not looking necessarily looking for asylum or fleeing uh, disastrous situations mm-hmm. in all cases. They're looking for the, the, the soft touch which Ireland is for for social welfare and different other... And do you think it is becoming or has been a soft touch in that respect, Peter? Well, it has. Do we have the reputation for that? Is that well, half we, the we, problem? We are. We, we're one of the... We, 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 we have the one of the best systems in Europe for paying our people who who are who are not employed, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you start, when people start taking advantage of that, I mean, they're not going to Northern Ireland because yeah. the, the the amount they, the, the the amount of of uh, money that they get is, is is about half what they get down here. So they're not going to Northern Ireland. They're coming here because we're 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 generous. You yeah, know? and oh. there are genuine people coming as well. The other thing I'd say about the about the refugee cri- situation and the demonstrations that took place in Sligo and Dublin and other places, uh, th- those people that are demonstrating are not uh, not uh, very few of them are genuinely interested in refugees. What they're interested in is uh, the far right troublemaking. They're the new Trump backers. They're, they're, they're the Irish Trumps, Trump supporters. That's what they are. Uh, they don't have a Trump leading them yet, but the one will emerge sometime. So, I mean, if somebody is trying to uh, um, take down the system, the far right, and just use a, a particular situation for that purpose, then I certainly do not agree with that. Blaine, the refugee situation, which I'm sure you will know from your political associations, is a huge, huge issue at the moment, yeah. right across the country um, and regionally. So. I, I, I'm just going to be very, very careful in, in how I yeah. describe this because I don't want to, to add any fires, any flames. Or, But the, the, I suppose the debate is, is very polarised um, and we've seen that to a point now where you know, we've got open demonstrations from, from, from opposing sides um, who feel so passionately one way or another about, about yeah. the, the situation. Um, look, the Irish Immigration Service, Inish uh, and IPAS, um, have not been doing the job sufficiently. Um, Inish have not been doing the job sufficiently of separating the genuine from the non-genuine for the past decade. Yeah. You know, I've seen, having worked in a political office where we, we, we have a direct provision centre in Sligo, you know, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of applicants, and let me just state, you know, we've seen a, a direct provision centre in Sligo and we've had thousands of, of people come through that and never have an issue. Some of the best people in this community are, are non-national migrants. Our, our health services run on people from, from not, not from Ireland. You know, we've got the Indian Association of Sligo. We've got Polish community. We've got some great people. And, and I don't think anybody wants to uh, feel them, make them feel uncomfortable living in this, in this community. But we have to be real and honest and say that there is a major problem in 
the administration of the decision of if somebody is is a genuine refugee yeah. if you're a genuine refugee you're welcome in this country you, you know you're you're fleeing war you're fleeing persecution and Ireland can help and should help and do its bit where we don't want to see is a situation like Peter described as people taking advantage of the system and Ireland is not is not unique in this in this situation. This is a problem. The the passport issue, um, the the losing of documents has been widespread. Actually, Ireland is very late uh, coming to this problem. Inish is not resourced sufficiently enough. It does not um, uh, conduct decisions and make fast decisions. So, when you have a system that is under pressure pre Putin's in, invasion of Ukraine, and we have a, a housing crisis that has now only gotten worse. And then the arrival of 65,000, 70,000 refugees from the Ukraine and a decision-making process is then being affected and slowed. You have a, a almost like a perfect storm. But the reality of it is we need to make faster decisions to get the genuine people in and the yeah. non-genuine people out. We need to get, um, as Leo said yesterday, uh, fast, firm and, and hard. We need to be firm with the people who do not have a right to international protection. We shouldn't be allowing... Ireland become a base for eight, nine, ten years for people who haven't a right to be here. Yeah, we have to, and and then I suppose in in communities, then because of the housing crisis and because of the difficulty uh, with, with with deciding on these applications and the volume, like 2000, 2022 was the highest year since two thousand and seven in terms of um, uh, people seeking refugee status. Yeah. Well, what what do you do with the, with the Ukrainian situation, who are genuine cases we're, we're led to believe, and when you have so many uh, Ukrainian refugees foisted into particular areas? You know, hundreds, mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, populations of towns in this region going up by 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can understand that we've had so many of them on in the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can understand how community representatives are yeah, concerned. Absolutely. And again, they stress they're not anti-refugee, no, they're not racist. And I think it's very important as well to, to have a voice for the people who, who have concerns about how the way this whole situation has been handled. Um, and I don't like the situation where everybody is being branded a racist because that's not true. There are people out there in the far right of racist ideology who are using this opportunity to exploit it. That is not everybody who who has concern. And where there are problems, and we heard about it yesterday only in in, in Dáil Éireann, Baladrín went out of its way um, opened up, uh, was one of the most proactive uh, in, in welcoming Syrian refugees. They did it, opened up their community and their hearts and, and really made a, a proper go of it. And it's very disheartening to see public representatives uh, from that area in the Dáil yesterday standing up and saying, we were promised the sun, moon and the stars around services, around medical uh, services for, for refugee applicants, for jobs for refugee applicants, for education, and none of it came, came true. And then when you have, I suppose, communities that were given those promises, of course there's going to be anger but I think what, where this all stems down to we need to make the decisions faster we need to get the genuine yeah. people in faster out of direct provision and into jobs and housing and, and, and really look after our refugees but we also then need to be an awful lot firmer at the point of entry with people who don't have a right to be here Okay, uh, this person wonders if the panel believe that there is a lack of communication with the public and communities about the numbers coming into an area well that's something we, we just covered Right, okay Peter, I don't know if you if you if you like to take a, a drink or not an alcoholic drink. I don't know, but what are your views on on the increase in the price of a pint? Well, I do. First like of all, it was Heineken, and then it's Guinness. And I think there was this. There's a story in one of the uh, national papers this week where there were seeking out pubs who were still charging less than a fiver for a pint of Guinness. 
yeah, I do like to take a drink, but uh, I mean, uh, as I get a bit older, I, it, 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 it diminishes all the time. And, and as, as somebody said lately to me, uh, the coffee shop is the new pub. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, not a lot of coffee shops opening up now. I know Blaine, yeah. you're in the, in the, <laughs> the business of, of selling drink, but... Uh, the the yeah the price the price of the pint gone up by so much i mean it's it's uh, it's a little bit uh, it, it's 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 too much and the 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 factors uh, deciding on the increase are, are they can't stand them up i mean uh, it it's profiteering on behalf of diageo and uh, you think so that's, that's that's what it comes down to th- that's what it is mm. yeah it's it's d- rising it as much as possible to make more money i mean an awful lot of pe- and they're, they're they're not the only uh, companies uh, that are putting things up now because they ca- they can and the sort of the blame the you know the oil prices increase and this and that and the other, but uh, a lot of it is profiteering and of course yeah. the the publican uh, blame as you would know they have to maintain the differential and they have to put it up so that their percentage is 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 the same so you get two increases one from the from Guinness and one from the publicans together, and yeah. and in there, in there, which you almost can't see, you have the pri- the 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 the, um, the the financial thing to the government, the customs. What do you call it? The what? The, do you mean the, the customs? The no, the money that you pay for the, the duty, the duty. Exactly, yeah. yeah, the duty. Sorry, the duty was that, that's that's prorata to the price. Yeah. So you've you've almost three people. Uh, pulling out the same increase, you know, which yeah. and the pint of Guinness was always the working man's drink, you know. If he couldn't have a, a pint of Guinness, like I mean, I remember I was in Dublin one day having a pint after work when I was up there, and uh, it was near the city centre, and there was a, a, a the budget was on in the background, and there was a, a couple of Dublin fellas beside me having a pint of Guinness, and uh, one of them was took his pint and says, Jesus, let me sit down out of here, lest and tada. You know, <laughs> the point was after going up, and he didn't care about anything else. That was, Children's allowances. That was water, priority nothing. for him in the, the budget. Okay, <laughs> right. You're going to be hard pressed to get two pints now for a tenner. Uh, apparently, uh, Blaine, where where do you come at this? From I won't ask you the price of Guinness at the moment in your pub, but it's, it's five twenty. Um, five twenty. I know some others have gone to five forty. Yeah, um, and more, and and, and more. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I'll just come in on what Peter said. Um, the Diageos of this world. I said it on your show before. Yeah. Two thousand and twenty-two. Net sales up twenty-one point four percent. Net profit up eighteen point two percent, five point four billion pounds. That year, they decided to increase their dividend. I, as a publican, uh, and many other publicans, operate um, off a three to four percent margin. So yeah. every single increase eats into that. So just for your listeners, a hundred thousand euros uh, turnover. Um, if that equates to three thousand, four thousand euro for the for the publican, that's a good good model. Um, we had an increase yesterday, five percent across the board for all spirits. I just really do wonder where it's going to where it's going to end because yeah. every single increase that comes in, we have to pass it on. Yeah. They're, they're, and you can't you, absorb it. Do you see resistance? Do you see complaints? Yeah, then? you do, and and you feel you feel sorry for people because, like, for a lot of people, you know, two or three pints on a, on a Thursday or two or three pints on a Monday, it's it's getting out of the house and it's yeah. It's it's just it's it, look it's all down to to say um, the rising cost of energy inflation 
that's nonsense now because that is no longer the case across the international oil market, international gas market. So the cost of producing the alcohol is not what it was six months ago. Yeah. Um, will will it have any impact? I don't think so. Um, and and when, when Heineken raised their prices there before Christmas, and I think there's a couple of beers under the Heineken mm-hmm. uh, banner, did that affect sales of that those particular products? Did people well, that's, say, that's one thing we wanted to do with Heineken, um, was to watch that very closely. We had a couple of options, um, and I said, OK, let's watch it and see if there's a decline in that. That means, obviously, I put out a poll on on social media, and a lot of people said they would change, but people didn't vote with their feet. People people just kept going with their favourite product. Yeah. And they know. They know they have their key customers, and they know they have got their, their, their products, and, and they know that they can just hit them with this. And it's... I just would ask people to, to, to be mindful when they're, you know, dealing with this, not to be looking at the Republican and, and saying, well, what are you doing? Because this is the cost of an input. We, we, we just cannot... Yeah. And w- will, will less people drink their, their as, as Peter refers to it, the working man's drink, the Guinness? Will less people have their pint of Guinness because yeah, of the price? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, look, historically over the last 20 years, alcohol consumption um, in, in, in public houses is down. You know, it's, from yeah. a public health point of view, that's a, that's a positive outlook. But I mean, you can responsibly drink. Um, and, um, you know, the number of people drinking is, 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 is falling massively. Um, on one hand, we've got the government saying we want to make the pub a, a World Heritage uh, site or World Heritage, uh, you know, phenomenon yeah. for, for Ireland. And then on the other hand, you know, you, you pick up a bottle of uh, Jemison in Ireland where it's produced in Dublin um, and it's uh, 30, 30 odd euros and you can buy the same bottle produced in Dublin in Spain for, for 19 and 18. Like, yeah. if, if we're serious about these things, but I don't think we are. I think it's just lip service. We'll, we'll yeah. move it along and, and, and the next issue will arise. And All right. Uh, we move on to the teachers that are a bit upset, uh, Peter, you may have been reading this week. Uh, the government considering doing away with this uh, option they have of a career, of a ten year career break. I don't think it has to be ten consecutive years, and they don't get paid when they're on the break. If you were in government, would you seek to get rid of such uh, well, a, uh, a provision or not? Well, uh, no, I'd, I I wouldn't get rid of it. No, would I, you not? I I think uh, I think uh, in general teachers are entitled to career breaks, and uh, the public all the public service are entitled to it right now and many public servants are on career breaks as we speak so what what applies to the teachers and applies to the whole public service uh, should be should be the same but um, the, the government have a problem but it's mostly in Dublin because when when you let somebody go and I've processed some of these in my former job yeah. in Foss when you let somebody go off on a career break for various reasons, family reasons, so work somewhere else and bring back skills maybe to where they have been. Uh, you must let them go for a defined period of time, such as the minimum is one year. Uh, the maximum at that time was five years at yeah. that time. And some people took the whole five years at the, at, at the one time. But um, you must replace the person that leaves uh, obviously, because uh, but that is a problem now in places like Dublin with with, uh, with the price of uh, of property and get the flat and all of that. Now, I think in in most in most small country schools, there wouldn't be a big problem in letting uh, primary or secondary teachers off on career breaks because we have a, a lot of schools around Sligo, for instance. We have an awful lot of teachers around Sligo, and. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, and there are 
I know there are a number of unemployed teachers around Sligo, yeah. and and there are also newly uh, qualified teachers who would be who would benefit enormously from a year in a school, and they would have that on their CV, and they would, it would make it much easier for them to get a job uh, when the person would come back from the career break. But I mean, the problem for the government is uh, is is not letting people released, not yeah. releasing people, but refilling the position that they leave behind. Yeah. But they are entitled to it. You think they're entitled to it, as as are those in the public sector? They are, because the whole public service have the same same, uh, system. Okay. Not as easy in the private sector as we know, uh, Blame From a political point of view, are you with the government on this or or do you have sympathy Um, for the teachers' unions? No, but I I listened to um, Sean yesterday and, you know, he passionately got across his point and there was elements within it um, that that I agree with. You know, these people aren't being paid uh, for this break, it's it's a it's a career break. It's not you know you're not remunerated for it, um, and as Peter said, you know it gives younger uh, teachers an opportunity to get into the system. Ultimately, we're going to need more more teachers as Ireland continues to grow. Our population yeah. is growing. As we're talking, uh, you know, about refugees, um, you know, Ireland's population is going to keep growing. Ireland's not full; will never be f- full. You know, we've one of the only countries in the world, actually, the only country in the world with a lower population in 2023 than we had in 18. Uh, uh, 51. So that'll tell you that we've a lot more grown. We're going to need an awful lot more teachers, nurses, doctors. Uh, and that's why, you know, coming back to the other point, why refugees are, are, are welcome. But if you come in to the particular point about, about teachers, the major problem, as I see it, and, and known many people have gone through this process, it's the requirement to do another two years after uh, having done your, your primary yeah. degree. Instead of getting this thing done in, in the space of a year, it seems to me, and look, I'm not an expert in this type of uh, uh, issue, but it seems as though, um, you know, this, this this could be done quicker. And if we're serious about getting more teachers into the system, that's something yeah. that can be looked at. You can do it in a year in other in other jurisdictions. I know myself, I went to, uh, to Queen's in Belfast uh, to get a degree in one year as opposed to staying to do it for two in Ireland. And I just think if we're, if we're actually serious, that's yeah. a very easy way to say, right, listen, let's condense that. Let's make it more intense during the process, but get your your, your teaching okay. uh, qualification in a year and get more teachers into the system. All right, just a couple of minutes left. And this person comments, <coughs> fair play to Blaine. We need more millennials in local politics. The boomer generation are keeping the region stuck in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, us millennials went to school at the height of the Celtic Tiger. We were told our generation would never see a dole queue only to finish school and enter the real world at the height of the economy. Mm. We see Bertie in a different light because of this. Mm. Are you a millennial? You are. Would, would you consider? Um, I don't. I, I'm a Gen Z or a millennial. Uh, no, uh, not Gen Z. There's, there's Gen X, millennial, and Gen Y. Is there? Is that um, what it is? Okay. But in any case, you're a young person in politics, and of course, I have to ask you the question. You ran in the local elections. Um, is it four years ago now? Yes, four Can years ago this year, and you were. Uh, I would be candidate in the general election the following year. You were a, a convention candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, still intending to run, or have you decided yet? Um, look, I suppose you, you can tell my passion is still uh, very much involved in politics and local politics in Sligo. I feel I can and would have been a very, very good councillor. I still have that belief. Um, you know, I look at Sligo Strandhill in particular. They've had ten years of the same councillors, so I think that there is um, there's going to be a requirement for change or a mandate for change. I lost out so, 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 so late in the day by, by about 30 votes. Um, about a thousand people came out to vote for me. I was the first Fine Gael candidate uh, after first preferences. There was an awful lot of positive things with that. A massive campaign. Um, and if, if I'm to be honest, today, 
my my heart wants me to go back and and give that another go. But there are some some things that need to be, uh, I suppose, clarified first. Ultimately, the the constituency boundaries. Um, we don't know if they're going to change or not. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't. I'd be foolish, I think, to make a decision until until that happens. I also now no longer work for the state. I no longer work for a politician. I work in uh, public affairs. That has to be balanced. Um, and then, obviously, look, I'll, I'll be honest. I have to ensure uh, that the internal party situation is is fair. Um, you know, Sligo Champion covered uh, the, the election expenses shortly after that. Uh, it wasn't fair. Um, I ran in an uneven competition and I have to make sure that that won't ever happen again. And finally then, I suppose, the whole environment uh, that, we're, that we're operating in, I've seen firsthand how uh, vicious politics can be. Um, it's something where abuse is now the daily norm. Um you know, I had some person at the top of a concrete spit him in, 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 in my car window because you see me from the posters. Like, you really have to ask yourself in the cold light of day, is that what you want your, your friends, your family to endure? Um, I think all of those things are are, in, are are surmountable. I think if I can get the assurance from Fine Gael that it'll be fair, if I can get the assurance from my family that they back it, and if I can get the assurance from work um, that, that I can manage both jobs, that I'd like to give it a go. But it'll be maybe 12 months I'll, I'll make my decision. Yeah. Sounds like you're more on the yes side for now, but we, we shall see. Okay, haven't, you haven't ruled it out any, that's not the main thing. Out, definitely not. Right, okay. No election this year, Peter. Apparently we have two elections next year. Does that hold any interest to you? And would you be foreseeing uh, a female Taoiseach uh, next year, do you think, towards uh, the end of next year? Well, I, I hope uh, a female teacher, uh, Taoiseach emerges but um, I'm certainly interested in both elections both the national election and the local election and I follow them I follow them I follow your program from wherever you uh, you have you have yep. the, the, the vision and the sound now and I follow them right up right into the night until the, the last man standing or woman uh, uh, goes out but <laughs> yeah you do Ben indeed uh, but I, I was I was I was uh, taken aback there by the fact that somebody would break a car window because somebody has an election poster on mm-hmm. it I think that's very unfair very undemocratic if people want to run for a particular party they should be allowed to mm-hmm. do that and the voters should decide not some little mm. fella in the street with a hammer or something but uh, uh, I, 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 I just can't think at the moment as you put it to me of a female uh, minister at the moment who might become uh, a Taoiseach Yeah know? well I, I was thinking of Mary Lou Macdonald you see that's I'm, I'm Oh just, yeah, yeah well of course Could you even the, contemplate a Sinn Féin Oh well that, uh, that I mean that's, leader is, or Sinn Féin. that is something that that is will, will happen uh, with or without any anybody's help in other words if, uh, if Sinn Féin Get an overall majority, and Mary Lou is the the uh, Sinn Féin is the is the overall majority uh, party. Then Mary Lou will be Taoiseach. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But I was thinking uh, in, in general overall yeah. the parties. You know, mm. yeah. The uh, the, ahead, the polls say we're going to have the same coalition after the next time out. Um, Do they? Well, well yeah. yeah. Between the three, between the, there's enough yeah. there between the three parties um, to maintain. I obviously look, you know, you look at female representation in politics. Helen McEntee um, would be somebody who I believe is a very strong candidate for the future, um, but also people like. Uh, 
Heather Humphreys. I think she's got a great way about her. Um, yeah. But ultimately, look, let's call a spade a spade. Sinn Féin are odds on favour to, to be in government the next time out. And uh, it's up to the government to use the next two years to get their, their house in order on a number of issues and um, go to the people with a, with a story, you know, that they've tried their best and, and they've made, a, made a progress. Many thanks to both of you for joining us this morning on the Friday panel. I do appreciate you coming in, Blaine Gaffney and uh, Peter Tiernan. That's about it. And of course, your, your, your friend is... is uh, Coming to Sligo this evening, Blaine, isn't that right? On, um, on Taoiseach. On Taoiseach, yeah, he'll be here to, this evening for yeah. um, Sligo Chamber dinner. And you're you're, nice you're friends, aren't you? Yeah, from a long nice way back. To, it's always nice to meet up with Leo when he's in Sligo. Yeah. I'll be using that opportunity to lobby for a number of projects here, and not in particularly Strand Hill, and there's a there's a coastal erosion issue out there we're working on. Um, so yeah, use every opportunity to extract influence and, and decisions as best we can for the people of Sligo.